0: Father, we just want to bless you. And we want to thank you for all the things that you've done in our midst. Lord God, we are uh, humbled at your love. Uh, We're humbled, Lord God, because we understand that, uh, again, we just don't deserve such expansive love pointing towards us. Lord God, forgive us for even thinking about being selfish. Lord God, we know that that love was pointed towards me. Lord God, when we weren't thinking about you, you thought of us. Lord God, when we were running the streets, wherever we were running the streets at, Lord God, that you thought of us. Uh, that even before we were born, you thought of us, Lord. For that, we are so grateful, Lord. Now, Lord God, we pray that your word would just penetrate our hearts, Lord God, and would just lift us up all at the same time. And again, may you be honored by not only how we hear your word, but may you be honored by what we do with your word. Uh, So we thank you again today. And again, we ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you turn with me to Luke chapter 17? Luke chapter 17, verse 11. We know that this is uh, a Thanksgiving week coming up here. And we just want to hear from the Lord what He has to say about giving thanks to the Lord. Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11. And the passage reads, On the way to Jerusalem And as they went, they were cleansed. See, Jesus alone can change our lives. Only Jesus can truly change our lives. You know, when I look at this passage, uh, one of the questions I asked myself was this How many people over time had passed by these sick folks? How many people saw these folks at a distance and, 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 and walked on the other side of the streets? While we don't know how many people passed them by, or we can understand through the study of this, uh, this ancient Near East culture that many folks walk right past them. I mean, after all, what do you do for people you can't do anything for. And then when on top of that, when people's minds are prejudiced, uh, they become paralyzed even uh, when they want to be helpful and they want to do something, uh, but still they do nothing. Well, recently, as they continue to try to fight that dreadful disease of Ebola in West Africa, You may have seen the videos or the still pictures of people lying in the street. People lying in the street because uh, folks were afraid to go near them. Because they had Ebola. I'm not sure if I wanted to go near, to be quite honest, knowing what we know now. Uh, But you see these folks and and you want to help them. But truly, you don't want what's on them to come and jump on you. So you may do what I do when I see an ambulance pass by. Jesus, I pray that you would heal them. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And he passed by going between Samaria and Galilee. And he entered, the scripture says, a village. It's very interesting that there is no description of this village, so uh, he enters this nondescript village. It is the practice during this time uh, that when you travel, that you needed to go to a village in order to be refreshed. You needed to go to a village to drink water, to get something to eat or to lay your head down, because you didn't want to be caught out in the wilderness. Amen? Uh, You didn't want to be on the streets uh, when it got dark outside so instead of going into a hotel, uh, when you're walking through the village, or when you're walking through the wilderness, you would see a village and you would say, Ah, there's life. That's where I will rest my head. Yet, each stop was an opportunity to encounter God's people or some folks. It was uh, not that fast travel we do today in which uh, we're going from point A to point B and we stop to get gas, right? Uh, we stop to get gas and then we want something to eat and then we pull over and then we go through a drive through and then we keep going. It wasn't that type of environment. Every stop for rest in a village became an open door to connect with people on some level, regardless of how tired you were or were not. Hey Amen. It wasn't that kind of thing which we could. Uh, well, I'm going to go to a hotel and be by myself. Well, you had to uh, either know someone or know someone who would have been able to take you in. It wasn't like, I don't want to be around folks. Very interesting, there was no other information provided about this village which tells us that it doesn't make a difference where you come from. It is not a challenge for Jesus. What concerns Jesus is where we are going and and who we are planning on getting there with. Where we currently are is not a challenge for Jesus uh, because he can remove us or extract us out of the mess uh, that we are currently stuck in. Uh, So in this nondescript village, uh, uh, Jesus wasn't concerned. Uh, So moving on to verse 12 here, it says that Jesus uh, was met by ten lepers as he entered the village. Uh, We're not sure how they approached Jesus, but we know uh, that they had contact with Jesus uh, somehow. And it says that uh, they had leprosy. Well, we're not quite sure which form of leprosy that they had, because oftentimes in Scripture, when they use the word leprosy, it can be any type of skin disease. But one thing that we know is they had such a disease that I believe no one wanted to be around them. So when these lepers saw Jesus, uh, they cried out from a distance. And crying out aloud uh, to people from a distance, uh, that that was their duty under the law. Uh, so uh, if you turn with me to Leviticus chapter 13 very quickly. Leviticus 13 uh, verse 45. In fact, this entire chapter, chapter, it deals with leprosy. But I want us to look at verse 45. Leviticus 13.45 The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out unclean! Unclean! In other words, uh, when you had this dreadful disease uh, that you had to tell everybody to stay away from me. If you don't stay away from me, you're going to get what I have. So they would cry out those words, unclean, unclean. Uh, it's very interesting to hear in America, uh, you try to tell folks if you got some kind of disease, uh, you better you better tell everybody you got a disease, they'll try to take you to court and put you in jail. But here they cried out with those words, unclean. I'm unclean, stay away from me. You don't want what I have. You see what's happening to me. This warned people that uh, they could also get this disease if they came into contact with them. And so they're saying, Be fully warned that if you want to come and talk with me and start touching on me, uh, you yourself might get sick. But also remember that whatever form or seriousness of leprosy it was, That it could also, according to Leviticus 13, that it could also get into your clothes. It could also get into uh, the the material, the construction material of your house. In fact, Leviticus 13 tells us that uh, if leprosy got into the walls of your house, uh, Scripture says, call in the bulldozers, we're going to tear your whole house down. That was uh, the solution to that. So in essence, uh, if a person uh, who saw a leper, uh, you would uh, you would undoubtedly say to yourself uh, that uh, I need to stay away. You know, I don't want this death wish. Or This is not unlike our response to folks today who have the flu. You got the flu, stay away from me. Or, or better yet, uh, someone who has the red eye. You got red eye kids, what do they tell the kids to do? Stay at home. Or better yet, if you have tuberculosis, Man, we need to quarantine you need to take this medicine and we need to quarantine you. We would stay as far away as possible from anyone with issues such as these. And I think this is a human response because we are responding to the potential of a real danger to our health. Amen. Uh, so most of us would probably be in the camp of, yeah, if I see you coming and I see it look like your finger about to fall off your hand and you got all this stuff going on with your skin, uh, I'm probably not going to go up to you and lay hands on you, right? And anoint you with oil, right? But I know you do that, right? Amen. Come on in here. Uh, come on in here. You guys here today? Amen. Uh, I'm not sure if, if if you would do that but I'm sure we would cross over to the other side of the street. So these lepers, they cried out to Jesus as they lifted up their voices, and I believe they lifted up their voices in despair. It could, could be that anyone that uh, that remotely looked like they were interested in them, anyone that looked like they wanted to have mercy, they probably would cry out to you too. So if they saw you walking around the, uh, across the street looking at them like, oh man, I feel so bad. And they probably would have call out to you? Maybe. How many times had many people passed them by with nothing more than a glare or uh, get away from me because I don't want you to have uh, uh, what you get. I don't want to get what you get kind of attitude. So when they saw Jesus, they called out to him what? They said, Jesus! Master, they saw Jesus, and it's very interesting uh, that they didn't know who he was, uh, that he didn't know who they were, but yet they called Jesus, what? By name. Did you notice that? That no one introduced Jesus to them. Uh, they saw Jesus coming, and they didn't, just, they didn't just say, Lord, help me. They didn't just say, Master, help me. They said, Jesus, Master, Come give us a hand over here. And so we notice here, it's very interesting as I look through this passage, uh, that they called Jesus uh, by the name Master. Did you know that uh, within the gospel that only Luke mentions Jesus as Master? Did you know that? The other gospel writers, when they mention him in another term other than the Christ, uh, they call him Rabbi. They call Jesus rabbi. But here, Luke refers to Jesus as master. Uh, this is a general reference to someone who is in charge of others, uh, kind of like the chief of police, or a supervisor at work, or maybe even a captain uh, of a boat. So according to Luke, Jesus is seen as someone who leads others in a quest for something bigger and much larger than themselves, than they could possibly accomplish alone. And so they call out to Jesus. They call him Jesus and master of something. So Jesus gives them a word of instruction. Uh, Did you see that verse 14? When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. Jesus gives them a word of instruction and he does not give them a word of healing. Did you notice that? Jesus gives them what? A word of instruction and not a word of what? He didn't say that, uh, let me lay hands on you, did he? Uh, He didn't say, let me anoint you with oil. He didn't say, uh, thou art healeth right now. He didn't say any of that. He says, go and show yourselves to the priests. When we are really sick or in our deepest moments of despair, we really want to hear hear a word from, from the Lord. We really want to be healed. We want to hear that word that tells us that you are healed. That person that wants to say, I see the Lord healing you now. That's what we really want. That we want the healing and we don't want the instructions. Have you ever asked someone for something and they didn't give you what you thought that you had asked for? So Jesus gave them a word to go see a man who happened to be a priest. Again, when we're in our most desperate situations, we should try almost anything to get out of that situation. We try to get out of the mess. We know that we've been struggling and trying our best just to walk through. Try hard and hard. Uh, uh, But here we see that Jesus himself, he says, go and show yourselves to the priest. There's a story in 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5 about uh, this man named Naaman who also happened to be a leper and who also wanted to be healed. So uh, what... uh, uh, he does, uh, in his desire, in his quest uh, to be healed, he sent uh, a word to the prophet Elisha. And this is what happened. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 10. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be Lean. But Naaman's response to the prophet Elisha's instruction was that, in essence, he got mad. He was mad because uh, he had come all this way and, number one, Elisha uh, didn't have courtesy enough to get up off out of the chair and come to the door and greet him. Uh, if you get a chance to look at that passage at some other time, uh, that uh, so, so so Elisha was sitting in his tent So Naaman comes to the tent and says, I need to speak with uh, Elisha about whatever. Uh, Elisha sends his messenger basically to the door, and he delivers uh, delivers this message and says, go and wash in the Jordan seven times. Uh, Your flesh shall be restored. So he's mad. He says, you know, I could have gotten in the bathtub in my own house. Why do I have to come all the way down here in order to be washed? I don't get it. I don't get it. So he sends that message to him that says to go and wash in the river. But Jesus instructs, uh, now uh, back to Luke chapter 17, he instructs these lepers uh, to go and show themselves to the priest without any promise of being healed. I know some of us would have been proactive. And we would have said, wait, 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 wait wait a minute now, Jesus. I come to you, and I'm calling out to you in order to be healed, and I ask you to heal me, but yet you're telling me to go and show myself to the priest. Why don't you just send your word or touch me or anoint me or do something right now before I take a move? You see, in in, in this particular instance, uh, talking about uh, conditional and unconditional on Wednesday nights, in this particular instance, that this healing was conditional. It was conditional on the fact that they wouldn't do what? That they would actually do what? Go. Uh, can Jesus heal without a condition? Yeah, he doesn't need a condition, but in this instance, he tells them to go, uh, go and show themselves to the priests. Some of us may have been like Naaman, who became enraged because Elisha, wanted him to do something so ordinary. mean, that's normal. I am sure these ten men wanted uh, to visit the priest to be declared healed uh, times before Jesus showing up. But they had no reason to go. There was no change in their situation even when they saw Jesus. Uh, when they called out to Jesus, uh, one thing that we know about uh, Jesus' Godness, that he knew exactly what they wanted. And he answered their prayer. Their only other option was to scream out, unclean, unclean, stay away from me or you're going to get what I have. Their option was to live their life that way or to do what Jesus told them to do. Who wants to be in that condition for the rest of their lives? So Jesus saw them and commanded them to go and show themselves to the priest. And this right here was a practice also given in the law. Leviticus chapter 13, verse 17. Leviticus 13, 17. It was again a practice instituted by the law to ensure the safety of the public's health. Leviticus 13, verse 17. And the priest shall examine them, him. And if the disease has turned white, then the priest shall pronounce the diseased person clean. He is clean. So here we see Jesus following the dictates of the Old Testament law. Uh, Jesus wasn't going to tell them to do anything outside of that, outside of that scope. So once the individual had the seal of approval by the priest, the public then could be confident uh, that after all that these individuals had gone through that they would actually be clean. All the lepers did exactly what Jesus instructed them to do and that was to go and to show themselves to the priest. So when when they began their journey what ended up happening? That they were healed along the way. They were healed while they were walking in obedience. And I pray that whatever uh, that you are crying out to the Lord for, that He would heal you on your way to obedience as well. Many of us want to be healed from something or to have, uh, or order to have our prayers answered. This means we are seeking Jesus or someone to help us get out of this seemingly uh, 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 circle that goes round and round and round again. So, as they obeyed Jesus by going to the priest, they were healed. I also find it pretty interesting that uh, these 10 lepers, that somehow they found themselves uh, back in these ancient times that, you know, the lepers, they oftentimes hung out together. They have these things called leper colonies, in which everybody who had the same disease, that you would all get together and you would live together, and that would be your community. Why? Because nobody else wanted to be around you. Uh, So in that sense, it it makes sense that these ten wanted to be together. Well, we know in love, we say opposites attract. But in struggle, it is likeness that attracts. So everyone who heard uh, that same word, all ten of these individuals, uh, they heard that same word that they were healed by Jesus. And again, healing. It began with obedience and that it was conditional. And Jesus, He could have He could have touched them, but He didn't. He could have said, Be healed right now, but He didn't say that. So I tell you today, brothers and sisters, do not limit the scope or possibility of healing for your life. More than anything else, however, it is important more than even your healing. Hear what I got to say. Even more important than your healing is. To know Jesus. Knowing Jesus is more important than your healing right now. Did you know that? And I say that because one day something is going to take us out of here. One day something is going to remove us from this existence. So know Jesus. So we have just saw how Jesus alone can change your life. And if Jesus has changed your life, how does a grateful person reply? Luke 17, verse 15. Give Jesus praise and thanksgiving with a grateful heart. Give Jesus praise and thanksgiving with a grateful heart. Verse 15. Then one of them, uh, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. Uh, So, of the ten folks, uh, how many people turned around in order to worship Jesus Christ? Let's try that again. How many people turned around to worship Jesus out of the ten folks that he healed? What was the difference? Number one, what did he do when he got there? He praised God. He praised God. What is interesting to notice that when we sometimes think of think of worship, oftentimes we may say, "Well, I just worship the Lord in my heart. Or that I worship the Lord uh, uh, nice and, and 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 quietly." But while it is true that when worshiping the Lord, that quiet is good enough. There are other times that when God does something spectacular for your life, it just overflows in your life, and you can't help but to lift up your voice and say, thank you, Jesus. This once previously diseased man that knew that he would live the rest of his life in a leper state, possibly, uh, uh, that Jesus that he healed him so he couldn't help but to turn around and recognize Jesus and also worship him. See, we will learn that when Jesus has done something extraordinary for you, you will praise him loudly and not care what other folks think. I know that there are some distractors, right? Uh, There are some distractors who make comments like, oh yeah, it don't take all of that." All Oh, look, look how ugly they are. They ain't got to get all ugly in church. It don't take all of that. But you see, when Jesus does something, when he delivers you, and you're like a baby again, right? And your cry is not the cry of a baby, but it is a cry of worship that you're crying out to the Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank you for all that you have done for us. You see, when Jesus comes through like gangbusters, uh, you not only want to praise the Lord with a loud voice, but sometimes you just want to run around this place like you have lost your last mind. Received blessings, elicit praise. You see, when God gives you blessings that you do not deserve, you just begin to bubble up in praise before the Lord. When you think about where God has brought you from, you want to give the Lord praise. When you think about what God has brought you through, you just want to give Him praise. But not only in worship, uh, He also thanked the Lord as well. As Christians, we should always be in a mood to not only celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Every day we should celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but also every day should be thanksgiving for us. Every day we should do what? Thank the Lord for what he has done. And I know that we're struggling and we want to be somewhere else else, and we think that life should have turned out differently but the fact remains that God has already blessed you wherever you are. And and when God blesses you wherever you are that it should elicit praise inside of you uh, that you want to say thank you Lord and that I bless you Lord. Tell you, point to the person who no longer thanks Jesus and you will find an ungrateful person. Uh, you point to someone that no, one, that no longer wants to thank God for their food, and you will find that ungratefulness is seeping into their life. So the more the Lord does for you, the more thankful you should become. The more the Lord does for you, the more thankful you should good. Just think about your life for a second. Well, I ain't got this, and I ain't got that. But what do you have? If I had this, my life would be so much better. But what did the God? What did God bless you with? What has it also overflowed in your life? You see, this Samaritan, a leper, uh, he was especially grateful two reasons and we know the one but first he was grateful because he was a Samaritan first he was grateful because he was a Samaritan well, look at the end of verse 16 here it is what does it say what does it say the end of verse 16 what are those words it says what now what well, let's try it again what does what the end of verse 16 says now now it it was good enough that Jesus healed, wasn't it? It was good enough uh, that uh, Jesus healed this leper uh, from from someone he didn't know, uh, someone that didn't, really didn't know Jesus, that that was enough. Uh, the, the fact remains that he healed the ten and one came back, that that should be enough for us. But the scripture says, now he was a Samaritan. You see, any time the word of God just seemed like out of nowhere uh, throws you a piece of information, God is trying to call your attention to something. There was no need for the passage to say this unless it is important for God to have you to know. I'm not sure if you remember who the Samaritans were, but you know the Samaritans, they came from Samaria. And they were Jews in which one of their parents were from Babylon. Well, so they were the 50-50 people, right? Uh, 50% Babylon or something else and 50% Jew. If you remember how Israel was cap- uh, was taken captive to, to Babylon, specifically Judah, uh, these particular Jews were both, again, Babylonian and Jewish ancestry. So because of their mixed heritage, uh, uh, the full Jews, if you want to call them that, full Jews, those whose mama and daddy both were Jews, they discriminated against the Samaritans and wanted nothing to do with them. The Jews wanted nothing to do, these full Jews, wanted nothing to do with these half-breeds. John chapter 4, verse 9. John chapter 4, verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him and this him being Jesus How is it that you a Jew ask for a drink from me a woman of Samaria Here's the comment For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans Look at the disparaging remarks that that the Jews made about Jesus in John chapter 8 verse 48 Uh, They were trying to uh, discredit Jesus in any way they can. And they wanted to at least try to throw some words in there to make Jesus mad. And this is what they said in John chapter 8 verse 48. Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? You see, these weren't just like, you know, nice words. These were like fighting words. And you know if someone called you by a fighting word, you know that you may not just simply stand by. right? So uh, they, they called Jesus a Samaritan in order to make him mad. And then on top of it, they said, you're doing all this stuff and you got a demon. And you know how, and you know what happens when folks try to make you mad, they try to call uh, give you all kind of adjectives to your name. Oh, look at you. Uh, right? Uh, dark-skinned people say, you ain't nothing but but high yellow. Right? And folks are high yellow. You look at the dark-skinned folks and say, you ain't nothing but as black as a skillet. And those folks are who are in between, you ain't nothing but a zebra. Right? So either way it goes, you know, folks, they try to pile names on you. And that's why you remember if you were a kid, I'm not sure if this was true with you, Mother Crockett, but when you were a kid in high school, you always played the dozens. You see, playing the dozens wasn't simply about having fun. You know deep down inside, when you played the dozens, you wanted to make somebody mad. Come on, you tell the truth. So here they are uh, playing these very frank dozens with Jesus Christ, uh, trying to say, you ain't nothing but a Samaritan. You ain't, but you got you, you. got a demon. And probably if they were alive today, they probably would have said, Jesus, your mama. So in the eyes of some of the Jews, they did not even have the time of day for the Samaritans. They just didn't like them. This Samaritan whom Jesus healed had to strike against him. And he probably thought all the people to help him, of all the people that could possibly help me, one set of people that would never, ever help me, never in a million years would be a Jew. And then Jesus shows up. Not only was he a Samaritan, we now know that he had leprosy as well. You know, some folks again say that uh, a point in which the stuff would start falling off of him. Therefore, the Samaritan uh, leopard, he had a double strike against him. Strike, strike. And when you have a double strike against you and you know that there is no way out, you have something to be thankful for. When no one wants to give you a chance but Jesus, or that you want to worship Jesus and say, thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done for me. Luke chapter 7, verse 42. When they could not pay, this is Jesus with a, uh, with a parable, when they could not pay, he canceled the de- debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Uh, Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt and he said to him, you have judged rightly. You see, this last point here, some who seem most familiar with the Lord have an inclination to be less thankful. Some who seem most familiar with the Lord have an inclination to be less thankful. Luke chapter 17, verse 17. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except, look look how Jesus, how he calls him, except this who? Foreigner. So in other words, that tells us that there's more than likely that the other nine were possibly Jews. They were the ones that were supposed to have been more in love with God, more so than anyone else. And it was the Samaritans who were the outsiders. So the expectation was that they would not return to Jesus and the nine would, but the opposite happened. And he said to them, verse 19, Rise and go your way, your faith, has made you well. I want you to think about this for a second. The emphasis in this passage is on thankfulness, but the emphasis in this passage is on the thankfulness of an outsider. This is what this is about: of those who are on the outside and what Jesus has done much for them. They begin to show how thankful uh, they are to God for blessing them, and in this case, for healing them. So those who were supposed to know better did not worship, and they did not thank Jesus. When we become too familiar with with the things of the Lord, it sometimes translates into laziness of attitude about our worship. Laziness about thankfulness and dedication. Everyone back in the day of Jesus was not anti-God as we know. Uh, we know this. Uh, there were some faithful people who had a heart for the Lord and would express uh, this heart in worship and thanksgiving through Jesus Christ. But there were others who allowed uh, the humdrumness of everyday existence to eat away at the core of their dedication to the Lord. It's like it become normal. It become like after you have had, uh, we don't have any people in here, you have your first kid. It's like it, it, it's a it's a really really big deal you have your second kid it's a big deal right you have your third kid it's a big deal you have your fourth kid it's a big deal it's good we got another one you have a fifth kid it's like oh well, praise the lord or when is the when is the lord going to stop the fountain from flowing and then you have your, your your next kid and it's like man got a whole bunch of them now so it's like it's kind of like that Uh, that at one time that we had been praying for God, Lord, bless us with kids. Then after a while we said, maybe we had one too many. Today then, consider what the Lord has already done for you. And I want you to consider in your hearts uh, to give thanks to the Lord. Not only from the inside, Well, I just thank the Lord every single day in my heart. But when you look at heaven and you hear the sounds of heaven, do you hear the sounds of people thanking the Lord and worshiping Him in their hearts? You see people bowing down in worship, uh, saying, holy, holy, holy. They're using words from their mouth because they know that it is God who has redeemed them. So I want you to be bold in the Lord Jesus and I want you to give Jesus his due. Always remember to thank the Lord from your hearts uh, but also learn to thank the Lord uh, with your mouths as well. We should be thankful to Jesus Christ because he has changed our lives and like the Samaritan we don't deserve it. We are least deserving but yet He did it anyway. Let's pray.